Welcome to Asray Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, our guest is the great Kevin Ketty, Chief of the Asbury Park Fire Department, finest fire department in the land. But you already knew that. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the Deputy Mayor of the City of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Esbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. October 19th, and we are here with Kevin Ketty, which is Esbury Park's fire chief. I'm going to make a quick mention of Esbury Underground, which is the sixth or seventh one. But who are we? We are Esbury Pod, so you're here with Amy Quinn. Joe Walsh. And we are going to try to get you up to date on all things municipal government via the fire department. But I'm going to give another shout out to Asbury Underground. Right. Sixth or seventh year? We don't, we don't know. I don't know. I don't either. But anyway, sixth or seventh year, um, big uh, thank you to Pat Scavino for putting this on. I, You know how I pick when I when, when these kind of events happen or even like see here now? I go through and pick all the female singers, and then I go see them. So if, so, if people are uh, not from Asbury Park, what is Asbury Underground? A music and art tour, kind of. So uh, throughout the downtown, there's uh, spoken word here at words and then um music so you have pamela flores who's going to be playing who i'm a big fan of mm-hmm. um, i know her yeah, yeah yeah she's great she's so nice like she is like such a, seems like such a quality person um amy and i'm going to say her name wrong maloff um i'm going to say her last name wrong she's playing but a right. whole bunch of um singers all around and you know my goal is to check out the new locals art space on main street i'm yep. going to say 308 but i could be wrong on that address so I'm gonna check that out today too. That's and um, how could we forget Jess, who doesn't just did our podcast and then refuses to air it <laughs> twice. So, twice. Well, the first time we were drunk, so I'll take responsibility for the first one not airing. But the second one um, is all her. She she, go, she goes after Madison a little. And she's worried they'll fire her. I didn't know she worked for Madison. Yeah. Well, she does. Well, she doesn't technically work for Madison. She does the comedy. Yeah. So you want to be a comedian, and she does it at Anchors Bend and. and Madison pays her pennies in Magic Beans to do it, but technically, okay, I understand. she's their yeah. employer. Yeah. yeah, Magic Beans are the Bitcoin of uh, Asbury Park. Yeah, essentially. Um, so, so Asbury Underground. I just like the, I know we have like two listeners in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. And so, for those of you in Providence, this is like water fire without the water and the fire, and the scenery, but same thing. Good to know. I think Joe's the only one who gets that joke. It, but okay. It, there's two people in Providence that think this is hilarious. Um, so, so Kevin, the, the goal of this podcast is to try to get people up on municipal government. Okay. Because everybody has a ton of questions about it. 
Um, Me too. As do I. <laughs> right. Um, so we put, you know, city people. You, you know the cat to beat is Ballard because she got the highest listens. I think it was over 100. So to the five people who listen to this show and repeat listen to Chrissy, kudos to you guys. You thought she was very interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the second highest person to beat is Manzella. Uh, because people are really interested. Actually, people are really interested in transportation. Why wouldn't you? And he's like so likable. Yeah, like he's the mis- most likable Mr. Guy. Congeniality, oh, I call him. Yeah, he's he's so a Yankee likeable. fan too, so we should have maybe have a wrap up after the season. A what fan? He's not the Yankee fan. Oh, okay. No. Okay. He went to high school with my nephew. Oh. So we have that in common. And I, you know, I think he's a peer, he's a department head. But then I sometimes I look at him and remember that he's, he went to high school with my nephew. He's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> He um he's like the only person on the planet that can make you less furious about getting a ticket. Okay, all right, all things <laughs> fire department, and we're gonna start. Kevin, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Monmouth Beach. And as a kid, did you want to be a fire chief? A fire chief, um, or a firefighter? I, I, I wanted, guess as kids, I wanted to be a, a million things growing up. You know, I cycled in and out. I wanted to be a a football player. I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be a mountain climber. Joe wanted to be a football player too. Girl. I wanted That's to true. be a construction worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one. <laughs> when I got a little older, I got worried because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I got when I finished high school. I went to a trade school to learn how to be a, a, an automotive and diesel mechanic. I, I did that for a little while, and um, I ended up working con- in construction. And then decided that um, I wanted to be a firefighter. So I took the test and voila all these years later here i am and you took the test in asbury not originally i i joined the local volunteer fire department just because it was like a social thing to do um some of my friends had joined i really didn't think about the firefighting part of it at the time it was just something to do i went to the fire academy which was very short back then it was 1984 and um I fell in love with it, so I decided I wanted to give this a try, and I became a federal firefighter at the Navy base in Lakehurst. I did and what's that. the difference between a federal firefighter? Well, I and worked for the I worked for the Department of, the, of Defense, so okay. I was a firefighter on a military base, and I transferred from there to Earl Naval Weapons Station here in Colts Neck. I mostly worked in Leonardo on the pier, and um, when the Asbury Park test came out, I took it. Also, Kevin. Um is oftentimes it's asbury so our our local government always has a ginormous fuck up factor um but the times that we've been without a city manager you are our acting city manager as well yeah somewhat i mean you know it's i stay in my lane you know i've I've learned to do that over the years but uh, you know i i help out wherever they they need me to so uh so it's your fault we don't have a carousel uh, you can blame me i'll I'll take it that's part of what i do i take the hit (laughs) and also why don't we have a dalmatian at our fire department well, it's funny you say that. Um, first of all, it's a busy street, and I would be heartbroken if, if if an animal ever got run over. But we did have a stray dog one time, and this dog was uh, a beautiful, uh, probably six-month-old German Shepherd. And it was a stray. Somebody just dumped it out of a car in front of the firehouse, and we took it. We had it for about a week, and at the time... We had some issues going on at the firehouse with the, the structural concerns, which you know are ongoing. And one of the OSHA inspectors came in, and the dog was a sweetheart. And this in- particular inspector was not a very likable guy, and the dog bit him, ironically. Oh, so Jesus. He made us get rid of the dog. <laughs> Good dog. Yeah. 
And how long have you been fire chief? You started off as a firefighter? So I don't even understand how the process works. You start as a firefighter and then kind of work your way yeah, up the Yeah, so you, the you take a civil service test. It's competitive. Okay. You get ranked on your score. Um, I scored high enough to get hired. Uh, I was a firefighter, the rank of a firefighter, for about 10 or so years. And um, probably eight years in, I took the captain's test. And I got promoted. So it goes firefighter, captain. Captain, battalion chief, chief. Battalion chief. Okay. A battalion chief is a tour commander. Um, so I and took. And what's a tour commander? Uh, the shift, the shift supervisor, the, the the person in charge of the city. Like right now, there's a battalion chief on duty. He's running the fire department. Okay. Right now. Um, right. It's twenty four seven. We have so yeah, it's we have a professional firefighter firefighting uh, team. You know, as opposed to the volunteer. Uh, groups outside in, in the suburbs here right course, unlike yeah. unlike our surrounding neighbors right right right, right. and and the, and you also do all the ems calls yeah yeah we do um we're basically in all all emergencies we do we do everything except uh actual law enforcement we do code enforcement to an extent but we we don't do obviously law enforcement but any other type of emergency that comes up we do that along with fire prevention and safety education and things like that and October is Fire Prevention Month. It is Fire Prevention Month. And what does that mean? This is where Don't we kind of we, yeah we ramp up our, our public education. We visit all the schools. We have the younger students come to the firehouse. We give them tours, uh, give out plastic fire helmets and coloring books, all, all all things fire safety. So several years ago, you did a hot fireman calendar. I didn't I didn't see you in it, Kevin. Yes, uh, I need to get back in the gym. How's that? <laughs> and an when are we going to get a hot fireman calendar again? So the hot fireman calendar was to, uh, it wasn't our idea. We were uh, approached by um, some people that wanted to do this this calendar. And um, we said, yeah, this this is kind of cool. We'll, we'll do this and raise awareness and try to raise some money for a new fire station. Obviously, you know, you can't raise money for a new firehouse by doing a calendar, <laughs> but it was it, the thought was it would be a good idea to um, raise awareness, and uh, there was some guys that wanted to do it, some that didn't want to do it, some took some coaxing to do it, but it, it turned out to be a, a kind of a fun thing. Um, I think the majority of the guys that did it are now embarrassed about it. Uh, you know, they're older. This was quite a while ago. They've um, aged maybe not so gracefully so it's it's kind of funny that way i just found the all the um, negatives in my office from that Could, uh, yeah. oh you gotta send yeah. us some. can so. we do like a broke down middle-aged fireman uh, calendar totally do. <laughs> a, a middle-aged out of shape fireman yeah, yeah. calendar real real fireman real fi- real fireman of, of new jersey um so you know to raise awareness and you know all these years later we're still we're still trying to get that over that hump and get that done yeah so. no i know Chief, um, is, this, is this your way of asking uh, the council to provide a gym membership uh, for the for the staff and or a new firehouse? Either <laughs> yeah, one is no, hitting me fires. up right now. Yeah, well, some of our guys are in phenomenal, phenomenal shape, um, and you might not know what to look at them. Some guys look fantastic, and they get hurt a lot. So it, you can never tell. Hmm. All right. So you work your way into fire chief. When, when was that? approximately 2006 2006 and you've been fire chief since yes okay and what do you like about being fire chief uh it's it's got a lot of ups and downs uh it's very very rewarding at times very frustrating at times so it's like every other job yeah it's like every job it's um 
you're on duty, so to speak, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It seems like I'm always getting phone calls in the middle of the night or whatever. But I love it. Um, I love uh, I love being fire chief in Asbury Park. Um, I really I really like this town. Um, it's uh, everything it has to offer. I've seen a lot of the changes. It's come a long way since I originally got hired here in 1991. Um, I don't like everything that goes on, obviously. I'm a little bit frightened. I don't want to become Red Bank. Right, right. right. No, I think um, we're all frightened. Those are, those are some of the, th- the things. But I think the, the good f- far outweighs the bad that, that, the, on the progress. So. Agreed. And worst fire you, you remember in Asbury Park? Well, so I was thinking about that, and... I'm not talking about spectacular fires because you get these giant fires like the the Atlantic and Belmont Hotel that burned at the corner of Asbury Avenue and Cookman. And what year was that? It was February 2006. Oh, was okay. Right, right before I came, became fire chief. And uh, that was a spectacular f- fire. Nobody got hurt, and um, the buildings were slated for demolition anyway. Uh, it was caused by kids in there messing around, and, you know, they— lit some stuff on fire and it ended up burning two giant wood frame buildings down. So that was a pretty spectacular fire, but And when you say spectacular, visually, I mean I, yeah, visually it's it just a, a, visually a big fire. fire. You know, those are the, Got you know, you. six alarm fire that everybody, you know, it makes the evening news. But uh, the worst fire or the heart most heartbreaking fire, it comes down to two and because of my personal involvement, I would have to say it was the the fire where, where Jason Fazio I was got say, hurt. I Absolutely that. hands down right. the worst and um you know, uh, only the guys in the fire department and people close to me know that my father died that day also. Oh, no. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So, Jesus uh, Christ. yeah, it was, uh, you know, I got home from the, the burn center at, um, at, and just uh, for our out of town, our, 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 our four listeners, two of which are, are out of town, mm-hmm. we had a fire on main street on yeah, the second we, floor of main had, street. That was fire. brutal. Yeah. We had a fire on, on main street on, on the second floor of a, of a, uh, mixed use multiple dwelling or taxpayer, so to speak. And there was a really bad fire on the second floor. Um, Jason got separated from his partner, uh, got caught in the fire, and he actually jumped out of the window on fire. And uh, he landed uh, basically at my feet. Um, He received uh, third-degree burns over 50% of his body, and uh, he... He was in really, really bad shape for quite a long time. He's doing well now, yeah, uh, but you know he'll never be the same. And it's, it's, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Um, I went to St. Barnard, the burn center. He got flown. He got airlifted to the burn center, and when everything settled down, I took care of all, all my business here. I went there, as did just about every member of the Asbury Park Fire Department. And um, I got home at I don't know two o'clock in the morning, whatever, and I hadn't eaten all day because the fire was at. 10 o'clock in the morning, 10, 10 30 in the morning. And, uh, I was like, Oh, I didn't eat. I, I, um, put some food in the microwave and, and my mother called me and my dad had, uh, you know, well, that's, horrific. <laughs> you know, I laugh Jesus about it now. Christ. I'm like, you know, I laugh about it. Now. Oh my God. God. What, like, you know, what else can happen? So, yeah, I don't even know what to say. That's But aside from that, I mean, the, the worst one is anything involving kids, um, I've had the uh, unfortunate opportunity uh, to uh, find uh, kids in fires and, and pull them out and 
none of them ended up surviving. So that's a difficult thing. In Asbury thing. Park. One was right right over the border in Neptune. Okay. And uh, two kids, same fire on Fourth Avenue in Asbury Park. Yeah. Oh Jesus. So, you know, any firefighter will tell you, you know, you, when you do a search, you're not, you're really hoping you're not going to find anybody. And um, when you when you do find that unmistakable feel of a of a, of a human body, it's pretty. Uh, your heart drops. You know, you, you, I don't know the emotion that goes through. You get scared. You get worried you get anxiety you get all this all this emotions go on at the same time as you're trying to drag them out of the building and what would you say is like the biggest preventer of fires like if you could give people one piece of advice well nobody's going to listen to this okay but uh, surviving and preventing fire i'll talk about in a minute but, but surviving fires is close your bedroom doors Close your bedroom doors. I mean, and stay in your bedrooms? If your house catches on fire and your door's closed, the smoke and the fire aren't going to be drawn to your to your uh, room. An example of that is firefighters, if they are going to come to your house and somebody says, somebody's in that bedroom, and we we put a ladder that to that bedroom, we call it vent, enter, search. So we're going to break the window out. When we break the window out, it's going to create a vent point, and that fire, wherever it is in the house, is going to want to come into your bedroom. Before we even search the bedroom, we crawl over and we shut your bedroom door. It does two things. It it cuts off that that vent point and the room starts to clear of smoke. So that's one of the things. But the other thing is cooking safety. Uh, working smoke detectors are huge. I talked about that fire in um, on 4th Avenue where, where we found two kids. And uh, when it was all over and we're cleaning up, there was a smoke detector with no batteries in it. Uh-huh. So. It's no joke about checking your smoke detectors every time you change your clocks and make sure they work. Nowadays, you can get the 10-year, the, the smoke detectors that the batteries are good for 10 years. You just buy a new one every 10 years. And newer construction has the the uh, interconnected hardwired smoke detectors, which is a good thing. And uh-huh. just make sure you place them properly within 10 feet of bedroom doors and, and on every level. And have a, um, have a fire extinguisher uh, in or near your kitchen that's accessible. So when that... Fire alarm <clears throat> starts beeping because has a dead battery. Resist the urge just to unplug it. Right. Just get. Oh, look, door. and that always happens at three o'clock in the morning. Right. right. Yeah. Of course. And, you the, know. and the CO monitor too. Yeah, yeah. That always happens at yeah. like three o'clock in the morning. One Was, of the worst fires, I, or uh, it probably wasn't one of the worst, but w- one of the fires that looked the most complicated that I remember. In, in Asbury was was Monroe Towers. Yeah, that was a that was a bad fire, and that was uh, well. First of all, it was a high rise fire, which right. adds a whole different dynamic. And on to like it. the top floor, wasn't it? It was or one on of the, the fourteenth floor. It's a fifteen story building, and the fire was actually there's no thirteenth floor, so I guess it was the fourteenth floor, and the fire was on the fifteenth. Um, and it was uh, it was there was added uh, challenges because there was what we call in the fire service the Collier's Mansion syndrome conditions. And uh, that's a really interesting thing onto itself is the, the Collier brothers in, in Harlem uh, back in the 30s and 40s, were, they were basically hoarders, hoarding conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's a famous, famous story is the Collier brothers. So that's why they call it Collier's Mansion Syndrome conditions. You know, I represent hoarders and have represented hoarders, actually, interestingly. And for one one of these trial, I had a trial. Uh, interesting. Um and came down really hard. Um, and for people who don't know, I'm a legal services attorney. The the four people who are listening. Um, who need legal assistance. <laughs> don't call me. Um, so 
I had to have a trial on, they were losing their apartment and I had, I had a, um, I don't know if you'd call it expert. It was a, it was, I mean, it was a trial, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a, it, it, I mean, it was a trial. I'll, I'll say that. Um, and how they described, and I'm just going to go on this for a minute so you understand how, why it's so hard to get these hoarders to stop. But the way they, the way he described it to the judge, myself and the, and the attorney for was that, um, these things are like family. So you take this pen and to a hoarder, this me tossing this pen is equivalent to them of tossing my dog. So I know it's hard for us to understand how hard it is for hoarding people to get rid of stuff, but they they described it in such a way that I think we all were like, okay, I get it. Not not making excuses because it can cause fires and things like that, but just that it's a condition that is extraordinarily hard to treat. No, I, I understand that. It's it's psychological. I mean, yeah. you know, it's they would, I'm assuming need treatment for that like anything else yes and and treatment doesn't really work all that well to be perfectly honest with can, you can i anyway ask, i digressed on that for a second well i just wanted to ask him so what is collier mentioned like what happens okay so, so yeah. it's it's hoarding yeah right so but the collier brothers uh they were uh they had a big uh, inheritance and they were educated guys but uh they were they never married they were loners their their parents died these were old men by this time and they lived in this big brownstone in Harlem. And I'm probably screwing the story up a little bit, but you can Google it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were, they were hoarders. They had a Model T um, in their house. They rigged it up to, to generate power because their, their uh, electricity was turned off. The neighborhood around them changed, and uh, it became more diverse. And they didn't like that, and they became more and more suspicious of the neighborhood. They, uh, they would only go out at night. One of them was sick and was bedridden, and the other one took care of him. And one of the things that they did was set up booby traps in case anybody broke into their house. And the, the way they died was one of them got caught in his own booby trap and starved to death, couldn't, or, or he died. And then the other brother who was uh, bedridden starved to death. Oh my God, Jesus! And yeah, oh, it's it's brutal. It's but it's a really interesting story. So um, did, it, did it catch fire? No, it, ne it never okay. caught fire. Okay. But it's just it's it it just took on a. It was a wow. huge story back in I guess the '40s or early '50s, and it's that's a term that is used in the Northeast, right, for for that kind of condition. So when a fireman gets to the 14th floor of Monroe Towers and you find a hoarding situation, you're like, oh no, like well, so so first of all, it it creates access issues because there's zero visibility. It creates more fuel. And in Monroe Towers, uh, there's sprinklers in the fire sprinklers in the hallways. There's fire sprinklers right inside the entranceway. And I think there's one in the kitchen. And that's it. This fire occurred in the back bedroom, a spare bedroom, which was loaded and loaded with stuff. And um, it access was extremely difficult. We actually ended up having to breach a wall to get access to the fire. And just to put this in perspective, when you get a fire in a lower floor, specifically in high rises, you can get what is called um, auto exposure. The fire comes out the window, laps up the side of the building, heats up the windows above it. They break. The fire goes inside the apartment above. So that happened in Monroe Towers. We, we were able to get up and put the fire out on the 15th floor before we could put the fire out on the 14th floor. And the fire had started on the 14th. The fire had started on the 14th, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I'm going to go slightly lighter. 
Yeah. <laughs> you right. Lucky yeah. Your, your favorite TV show. Cat. Can I ask you, like, so if you're a firefighter, do you like firefighter movies or do you watch those movies and you're like, well, Ugh. no, you know, um, I used to like to watch Rescue Me because it was just off the charts funny. Okay. And, uh, and just the, the eclectic characters reminded me of a real firehouse. You have eclectic char- characters in your I firehouse. Think all, I think all firehouses do. I mean, because, you know, I'm, I, I, this is who I am. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fire, firefighter, and I grab it. My friends are firefighters uh, from other cities. Most, Who's most your most retired. eclectic character? I had a dream also. Oh, There's a woman in the firehouse <laughs> named T that I had a dream that I was dating. Who's been in the firehouse forever, and she's gorgeous. I mean, she's she's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I usually have nightmares about tea, but they're they're usually when I'm awake. <laughs> no, I, I I say that jokingly. Um, she's been there longer than anybody, and she got hired a couple years before I did. So I've known her for for the, the past twenty eight years, and for the past I guess thirteen years. Thirteen years, we've been working like four feet away from each other. So we're like we fight like brother and sister sometimes. <laughs> And you can't tell us who the most eclectic firefighter is if well, you don't say his name. Well, uh, let me just say they're all unique in their own way. Okay. Um, it, 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 that's a hard question because they are unique in their own way. Just some of the nuttiness, it's hysterical. And, you know, I, I laugh at it and then I say, wait a minute, you know, I'm, if I really get honest with myself, I do some pretty nutty things too. So, oh, we all do nutty it's, things. Um, and, and then there's a, there's a, there's a cult, culture, uh, a, a, a of busting chops relentlessly it's brutal brutal i think the the ball busting that goes on in the firehouse yeah cult might have been a good word for firefighters you know like you guys are in it and you know having been related to firefighters it's there's you guys and everyone there's a yeah it's a culture of, of of the house it's very interesting and then there's also like and and i'm reading in between the lines between fire and police but there seems like there's a weird culture between fire and police at least in asbury park you mean like you mean uh like the, the police have their own culture or you mean like a like a who's got a better softball team i think you guys do right uh you know it's funny they well they have a team they're in a league mm-hmm. so I don't know. So police has a better softball team. Well, I don't know. We haven't played them in a long time. I don't um, think the fire. Interestingly enough, we we beat them in basketball a couple of years ago, which shocked me. Hmm. I said, "How does that happen?" Um, they crushed us in flag football one time because we had our real firemen playing flag football, and they had like all these uh, class ones and class twos kids that like the year before were on the Asbury Park gridiron, you yeah. know, playing on the state championship. Well, team. Was that on the beach? I think I was at that. Game. Yeah. We got injuries and everything else. One one time years ago, we practiced to play them in flag football, and we never played because too many guys got hurt <laughs> in practice. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Now we're gonna go back. Okay, favorite TV show. Well, I don't really have a, a, a favorite TV show. I like the I like HBO and Showtime okay. shows. So I I religiously watched The Wire. Really? When that was on, okay. that was a very, very. That was Baltimore, right? That was the yeah, show that yeah, took place yeah. In Baltimore? It's about yeah, about the drug trade in mm-hmm. Baltimore and homicide and all that kind of stuff. My parents are from Baltimore, and we used to spend our summers in Baltimore. Everybody sits on the stoop in Baltimore. You sit outside your house on a stoop. Stoop, and um, I, I shameless, I, okay. I, I pretty much watch every episode of that. Uh, I, I've been into Ray Donovan. Some seasons are better than others. Um, TV shows. I, I'm more of a of a Netflix or movie channel guy. Movie I watch watcher? movies. Yeah. All right, favorite movie. Next question. Well, uh, that would be have to be hands down Pulp Fiction. But I love really? pretty much anything by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> okay. 
but uh, I love pulp. I thought pulp, yeah, I like pulp fiction. I, I, yeah, I like. Which, I, if I ask you, what's your favorite movie? What would you say? Depends. It changes all the time. Okay. So, right now, um, uh, right now, I can't think of it. To, to be honest, like the name of the movie escapes me. It's in my head. <clears throat> but Rita, Rita and I go through movies so frequently that it moves around. So, anything from uh, I had a Kill Bill phase. Yeah, for a while okay. that mm-hmm. I, I like, but then, um, yeah, I like old movies too. And I'm trying to think of the um, Don't Look Back. Not the Kirk Douglas's second movie, which I can't remember right now, was a a big favorite of mine. It was uh, Robert Mitchum's first. Um, and feel free to call in, listeners, if you know the answer to this trivia question. And right now, I can't think of the name of it. But for a long, you know, that, as a noir film, that was a, a film I really, really, really like, and will go out of my way to watch. So, but that's this month. So who knows what's next month? How about you, Amy? Uh, well, easy bound. So uh, was it was geez, probably nineteen ninety seven. I was in college at Pace University. I only lasted a semester there. Um, and one of the reasons I only lasted a semester there is because I kept skipping class to go see this movie Bound, which was a movie that had lesbian characters in it. It was just Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly. And I had never seen, I knew I was gay, but I had never kind of seen a movie where these women were kind of badass and, uh, and, um, took on what were mob guys. So I kept skipping class and going to see this movie by myself, maybe 20 times. And eventually, twenty out. twenty times like Rocky Horror, like, uh, like not even exa- numbers, not right? even exaggerating twenty times. Wow! And then eventually failed out of pace. Oh no no no! I didn't fail out. I dropped out. I think I dropped out. I dropped out before my my grades went completely downhill. Hmm. Out yeah. of the past, so I took a minute to look that up. Uh, the movie up. Okay, yeah. I've never heard of that movie. It's, Have you ever heard of that movie? Which what's it called? Out of the past. It's um that Kirk. Have Douglas you ever movie. heard of Bound? Vaguely, oh, vaguely. Yeah. Well, when you said Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly, it, I kind of, I think I've seen it. Sounded familiar to yeah, me. I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was like a pretty. It was like the first lesbian movie that I, I think, people were like. So in in the gay culture, particularly um, in the lesbian culture, a lesbian always has to die. That there's punishment. <laughs> For what, Right. I'm saying this sincerely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah. I know I you don't, know don't watch lesbian about, movies. Yeah. But in the lesbian culture, ask any lesbian my age or older. Um, this woman will find this great love of her life, and then one of them will die. That's just okay. that's how that's how movies worked. I, I assume it's some sort of like sexist. Anyway, that's how movies worked. So 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 I had seen movies, Personal Best, right? So everybody saw Personal Best in the 1980s. Yeah, she doesn't die, but Hemingway. they split up, no, and I mean, it's uh, Muriel Hemingway. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Who's the other girl? Because other girl? that was just on recently. She was a, she was actually a, she wasn't an actress. She was an athlete. Yeah, she was a real athlete. Yeah, a real like yeah, an yeah, Olympian. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. Joe's looking it up. She wasn't a. a so, yeah, I, right. So there's the, so in these movies, either somebody dies or there's this horrendous split, or somebody goes back to men or whatever the message is. But Bound had none of that. They had. I mean, it, 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 the whole movie makes you think: Are these two women gonna gonna pull this off and and ride off into the sunset together? And they do. So who was personal best? Patrice Donnelly. I saw personal best, but I I wouldn't have skipped class for that. But I did skip class for about anyway. I, I digress. Just, I just remembered though the the movie so that I loved more than Star Wars was the Quiet Man with 
John Wayne growing up. Oh, yeah. My because gra my grandmother's from that part of I've Ireland. I've never heard of any of the movies you're talking. <clears throat> about. It's not the most progressive movie, to be honest. Like I, I, I used to know more lines from that than like Star Wars and Star Trek. But put them on the list and strike a line through. Yeah, it. Yeah, strike a line through it. <laughs> <laughs> that my mother, my mother was a redhead, and right. she always, <clears throat> excuse me, she uh, her pictures I saw of her when she was young reminded me of Maureen yeah. O'Hara. Well, my grandmother loved that movie. But you look at it you know, now; it's if you're a woman, it's hard to watch. And I, you know, so as I got older, I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> so I still like, I will still watch the movie, but I'm like, oh boy. But I can't, my, my grandma just loved it because it reminded her of home. She just loved that movie. So we would watch it all the time, but you know, maybe we'll, we'll schedule a viewing. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is the budget for the fire department? It's, a, uh, it's about $5 million. Okay. So if we gave you, cause we asked this of every city employee, if we gave you 25 million bucks, and you have a new state-of-the-art um, firehouse because mm -hmm. I know your number one priority is to get yep. a better okay. firehouse. Okay, so that's that's off so the table. So I've knocked that off. Okay. You, you already have one. And what John Moore's doing? listening right now, taking notes, and ready John to give you this And John Moore morning. says you have twenty-five million dollars, which you know he will never. Well, I was going to say that will never happen. So why do I even <laughs> have to? Never happen. <laughs> never. Um, so is this sustainable? You know he's coming on. So he was supposed to come on, which we talked about. Now, now I'm going to listen to that one. Yeah. So he. So so I. Uh, First of all, I I've, I've, I ask him like twenty times. Can oh. can you come on my podcast? People don't people don't understand you know that we're policymakers and what the mayor does or blah blah blah, and you know his uh, words to me every time were you can go fuck yourself. So one day I don't know what happened, but I say, can you come on the podcast? And he says yes. And I'm like, oh my god! Yeah. So I quickly send him a date. I'm like finger holding my breath that he will because he doesn't even know what a podcast is. Holding my breath that we're going to get him on, who I who I think he's going to be an interesting cat, but you know, possibly not. Um, and then Joe fucks. I fucked fucks it up. Us. So that's a reason there's been a gap. That's why uh, we have not talked to John Moore. I had a, I found that I didn't find out. I had to work. Ordinarily on Saturdays, uh, I go to Rutgers football games. I'm a Rutgers employee. I can be late. Are you required to go? Or are you no? Willing I'm a season go? ticket holder. Okay. But then my vice president asked me to do something work-wise on that day because we had a special guest. Rutgers had a guest coming to the game and with whom I work. And they're like, you need to, um, you should chaperone um, our guest. And I'm like, oh, you, oh, okay. And so I, I fucked it up. So Well, that's bad. okay. Anyway, he, I got him to commit to another date in November. So unless he tells me to go fuck myself from here until that day, he's going to come on. He might do it regardless. Yeah. Your favorite your favorite member of the council. Wait, did we find is out it, what the $25 million dollar gift is? It's just me. Oh, so, we didn't do the $25 yeah. Yeah. million so, dollar right, gift. So, all right. So is that... So I'm just going to write Amy for favorite council member. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, you know, I'll, I'll play it safe. You guys are all unique in your own, your own way. Uh, Who curses more? Me or more? So uh, by far you, but his have more substance. Huh. What does that mean? They're more powerful. Really yeah. interesting. So so Ballard <laughs> thought it was a tie, but I feel like I, I totally curse more than more. Yeah. And you know, members of the council have asked me not to curse as much. And I, I, You're tried, I think I tried briefly. I think Jesse asked <laughs> if I could curse less, and I was like, I'll try. That was maybe two years ago. So yeah, <laughs> like a sailor on shore leave in Tijuana. Yeah. You'd make him blush. <laughs> I know. Jesse, who was a former professional football player, was like, maybe you could... You could curse a little less. He's a gentleman. <laughs> you know, old school. And I think I, I think I gave it a solid 10 or 15 minute try. 
Um, okay, I'm sorry. Your $25 million budget so, that John Moore's never given you. So is that sustainable? Is that every year or is that um, just no, a one shot? No, it's a shot? one-time shot. So a one-time one shot. So I, right now I'm reading a... a um, I was going to ask you, what are you reading? Well, I, I, I'm actually reading a, uh, a master's thesis that was written by uh, Anthony Avillo. He's, um, I work at the Fire Academy on the weekends, and he's the director of the Fire Academy. But more importantly, he's a retired deputy fire chief in North Hudson. Okay. North Hudson, if you're familiar with Hudson County, is a, the fire department that protects uh, five towns, North Bergen, Guttenberg, West New York, Union City, Weehawken. That's five, right? Did I leave anybody? We'll call it, yeah, call okay. it a draw. So um, he was a Weehawken firefighter, and in 1999, they, they formed this regional fire department and it took a lot of seed money to do that and uh right now i'm reading his he did his master's thesis for his master's degree on on that on forming the the fire the regional fire department yeah and he, he had a copy in his office i said hey i'd like to read that so uh, I, it's a couple years old and uh, i read it I'm, I'm in the process of reading it and one of the things that he stresses is that the whitman administration the, you know the governor back then put a lot of uh, incentive money in place to get it done because in my view, that's that's what we need to do is think regionalized services. Asbury Park has a great fire department, great firefighters. Um, I'm very proud of the work that they do. Uh, it's it's fantastic, especially when when it's slow. You know, it gets kind of stale. But when when we're busier, when we get fires, these guys will will bend over backwards to get the work done. When you say slow, I feel like we have an obscene amount of EMS calls, though. Yeah, yeah, we do have an obscene amount of EMS calls, but that's a I call that a grind because it's oh, just it's it's, a, it's a day in a day out. Uh, and uh, to digress a little bit, that's not so bad. It's that's ninety percent of that work is who you're partnered up with, because I've left I've left work sore from laughing, and then I've left work miserable. All right. depends on, on how well you get along with the person you're. You're partnered up with, and do you get to choose your partner? Or no, it's just scheduled. no. It's a rotation. Okay. It's a rotation. Uh, ultimately, the bosses say, you know, you're doing this and you're doing that, and you have to do it. It's, okay. But uh, it's they try to be fair and equitable. Uh, the junior guys, the 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 senior, the most senior firefighters get to be drivers. They get to drive the fire trucks, and that takes them out of the ambulance rotation. So it's it's fair. Everybody does their time, and then they get to get a more uh, coveted position deserving of seniority after that okay did we get to the 20 no million so that so how would the consolidation work well I, I would try to try to nurture something like that uh you get several towns to to be together as one fire department i feel like you've been doing that for years I, that's my passion i've been trying to get that done for forever but uh it, it, all, all the things all the roadblocks i've hit you, you, he talks about in his in his uh thesis and um I mean, it's the core of New Jersey's problems, like the hyper-municipal. Home rule. Home yeah. rule. I mean, do you think Asbury Park Fire Department could handle Ocean Grove or should? But Ocean Grove is actually part of Neptune, okay, but, so but it's, it's its own fire district. Right. You know, one of the fears is what do you do with the volunteer firefighters? And my answer to that is, well. You hire them, wouldn't you? Or no? Well, no. I guess not. You, they have jobs. You'd have to hire people. You'd have to, there would be some hiring with this, but. Why not, if you have a, a member of your community that's willing to put the time in and get the training, why not use them? You're never going to hire enough firefighters to have too many. Right. So why not use that, you know, along with um, 
the staff that you do have. And it's all about covering standards, like the NFPA 17 standard. Uh, that's a standard that says how many firefighters, how many pieces of equipment should be on scene of a certain type of building. And why don't we have any women, Kevin? And I know we have this conversation every year. We have no women firefighters. How we, many are there in general in the state of New Jersey? Probably I would say, yeah, a very small Five. percentile. Uh, I actually, when I was working at the fire academy, I taught um, the Jersey City fire recruits. And in the, in one of those classes, I had the first two female firefighters in Jersey City Fire Department history. One of them is a battalion chief now. Oh, wow. How do, we, how do we recruit women? Well, you know, last test I asked you to reach out to anybody you could. No, I reached, um, you know, I reached out to all, a bunch of the girls from my dodgeball team. We came we came close. Um, yeah. We came close last time. There was, uh, there was a couple of women on the list just out of reach. Uh, and we disqualify a lot of people, too, for, for residency requirements or... They, that was a problem for a number of my dodgeball girls. They were, they don't, some of them live in Asbury, but the majority of them. Yeah, you have, you have to be a resident. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be, but you get, you go way down the list if you're not. So how do we handle the changing uh, real estate situation in Asbury Park? Or how do we reconcile that with the residency requirement? You know, it's more expensive to live here, harder yeah. for recruits to live here, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. I didn't mean to throw a. No, no, I, 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 I don't know. I just yeah. like, I have a set of rules that I have to go by. Oh, I'm not, I don't disagree with the rules. So and I think, I, yeah. I don't know how, I, no. I, you know, that's, it's a free market society. People want to, want to live here. They want real estate here. So I don't, I don't know how you. But if a lot of people aren't living here, but buying real estate, you know, they can't be on the fire force. You know, it's, it's funny there. with the changes in Asbury Park, some cities that are not very well off are giving incentives for their police and firefighters to live in, in town. Yeah. Uh, and Asbury Park was, um, we didn't do this, but we were one of those cities, you know, 20 years ago. Right. And it's completely flip-flop now. Yeah. New Brunswick Fire Department oh, ran a brothel. <laughs> yeah, I tried to Google that. I couldn't no, find that. So it was... You know, I didn't realize it was... Perhaps that, we'd know. get women firefighters. Well, that was a kind of a joke. So what had happened is there were some... Um, the p- fire department did it. Firemen and policemen owned a series of properties. Uh, but that wasn't, you know, that was a joke question that, had, you know, because it wasn't verifiable. I didn't want to slander the... I'm uh, sure it would, and, it would be popular. It would be popular among the And staff. I believe how they got caught was that there was a fire code violation. There was a fire. And people were like, well, why was this passed for code? And everything fell apart. So it wasn't the department. It was some bad members of the municipal uh, staff there. It happens. So, Unfortunately, yeah. you know, it happens. Yeah. Most uncomfortable situation you were in as a chief? Oh, boy. Most uncomfortable position I was in as a chief. Or funniest. I'll take either one. Well, most uncomfortable is I'm, I, I don't like to... Um, it's, I'm uncomfortable with, with discipline. I don't like it. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but it's necessary sometimes and right. it's uncomfortable, but you have to do it. Funniest, it, it, people used to ask me, uh, and as chief or just in, in general, in general? Um, when I w- first came on a job, I would have all kinds of these stories that were just hysterical because you, you, you get to see the, um, the dirty underbelly of a, of a community when you do a job like, like mine. And there was a lot of really, really funny stuff. And over time, it, you kind of become desensitized to it, and you get really one runs into the other, and you you can't remember what they are. But I I mean I've responded to assaults where where people were beaten with sexual devices, and 
And then just to to listen to them recant the story and tell you what happened is is hysterical, you know. And, and you then, keep it straight. You have to keep it straight. Well, you, face, I guess. you do the you do the best you can. I've pulled my shirt up over my mouth. I've I've uh, turned away. You know, I've I've always been pretty good at that. Where like my partner would just fall to pieces, um, <laughs> you know, and I just like close the door, push them out of the room, and try to talk, and then just you know. I want to protect people's dignity too, but uh, because just, it did, ha- it wasn't uh, assault. Well, just yeah, but I, I, one unfortunate time, um, we had this firefighter that that had a very weak stomach, and he couldn't do anything uh, gruesome without tossing his cookies. You know, he would just he would throw up at the sight of like some vile stuff. And um, one time. There was we were we were uh, doing something and and the uh, it was a serious call so I don't want to diminish that um, it, it was it was it was a, a very serious call um, and the family was outside the bedroom and and we were we were doing CPR and this guy that unfortunately had expired and uh, something happened and the odor just was unbearable and I thought I was going to lose it. And all I could think about was this firefighter that would always throw up in those situations. And I looked at my partner and I said, I, I feel like so-and-so, right? So he had, the, he had the sense to reach over and push the door closed where the family's in the hallway. I ran for the window and threw the window up in the air and went to throw my head out, out the window. And I, I didn't open the storm window. So my head went oh, through the storm Jesus. window. I cut my head. I Did threw you up. Puke? Yeah. Oh man! Oh, that's <laughs> so horrible. I mean, is that like it's it's a you know it's a horrible situation for the the guy and, and yeah. his family? But I you know in hindsight I couldn't stop laughing about it. Yeah, uh, you know it's you, in gruesome situations. There are things that are still you know what to me seems like every. I mean, time, now there's blood and everything. I'm, I have a bandage on my head. I I think every time we um somebody gets hit by a train i think that's got to be the worst to respond to so yeah so um i've had a lot of those uh i've had a lot of those but i've never had a um a gunshot victim Hmm. it's weird and most most of us have i've delivered one baby oh wow so and how was that experience i didn't want to do it did they they name (laughs) the baby kevin no Uh, no it was it was it was a healthy healthy baby but boy uh, or girl uh, it was a boy Boy. It was a boy, and I the I, I, I the the woman came from Asbury Towers. She was visiting. She was visiting. Oh, oh I know. But we're all. I know. When the call came in, I was like, "Wow, what's going on here?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the senior residence for those of you not in Asbury. Uh, uh, that would be a shocking development. <laughs> all right, we have to start to wrap up. You know, Jan opens her store. Okay. So we got to start to wrap up. Is there any th- questions that I missed? Well, I do want to ask the the last question. Oh, not not the about the brothel. No, not the one about the brothel. The, you know, in it tied into that's fire a good use to twenty five million dollars. Twenty five million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like uh, Nevada. Um, so tying into the fire safety message for the month, what worries you as a professional firefighter that most lay people don't think about at all, or what fire hazard keeps you up you know, that people should maybe keep um, civilians up? You just see so many overloaded, <clears throat> overloaded outlets. Uh, again, the closing of the bedroom doors, you know, nobody does it because of the airflow, you know. Uh, but that's that that really does work. Uh, complacency, batteries in the in the uh, 
in the smoke detectors. I'll say this way back when when I first became chief, uh, Terry Reedy, the city manager at the time, when I was fighting for more funding, and um, and we were broke. I mean, the city was no joke broke back then. Uh, you know, and the the cops people were getting shot, and the, the police department was getting new. They were adding people and all this stuff, and I didn't like it. I you know I thought that the fire department was was well deserving of that. Uh, you know, my guys are no less important to public safety. And he looked at me in the eye and he said, you know, Kev, I get it. You know, and he was always good at that, uh, walking you through the process. I didn't like his answer, but I understood it. He said, people have 10 deadbolts on their door and no batteries in their smoke detector. You know, meaning, <laughs> meaning like, look, this is, a, this is a decision that, you know, public safety, the, the, the people want more law enforcement right. i didn't like the answer but i i understood i understood that the position he was in and the position that the, the council was in um and what storm since you so i remember during sandy and they had lost electricity in the towers and you guys had to go in there um it might have been the second time they lost electricity in the towers. yeah and they had a fire it was during sandy they had the, the transformer caught on fire there was no that was a different time but the transformer got flooded out they had no power uh, their their backup generator didn't work. We actually had that. to carry a lot of people down the I stairs. Remember that. We were both still in the sand tender. I was I was watching it. Yeah, and you were you were the one who wanted us all to leave, and we were like, "No, we're not leaving." Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, um, we were all worst storm, worst storm that you've seen in Asbury. Oh, Sandy by Sandy far. Sandy by far. And you know we were fortunate though. We we got we got out of that pretty un pretty much unscathed compared to other towns. Irene was was unpleasant as well in terms of power yeah I mean, sandy was the worst because i think we were i'm going to say close to 10 days without power yeah irene was was a well let me say this of the two i was more ill prepared for irene well sandy was uh, the challenges after sandy with the power outage so the sewer plant lost its right. lost its power so we put out a nixel message or whatever whatever reverse 91 we were using at the time telling people not to not to use their water and the thinking was it's going to go into the sewer system and the sewer, it wasn't working. So it was only a matter of time before everything started to overflow. So then we started getting calls about the news reports that Asbury Park has contaminated water. We didn't have contaminated water. We just didn't want you flushing your toilet or, or using your sink and having stuff go to the sewer plant because we were trying to figure, out, figure it out. And we, we called the DEP. This is interesting. We called the DEP, and we asked for permission to pump from the lowest manhole cover, which is down by the... Uh, by Wesley Lake, by the carousel. Mm -hmm. And we were going to run fire hoses through, um, through into the spillway and pump raw sewage into the spillway. And as gross and as horrific as that sounds, it was that or have sewer backing up all over the Asbury Park, going into the storm drains and going into the lakes anyway. So, and eventually the ocean. So our thinking was, well, it's better just to put it directly in the ocean. And the DEP agreed with us, and they gave us permission to do that. And we had everything all set up to start doing that. We were just waiting for the, the uh, sewers to start overflowing. And right at that moment, power came back on at the sewer plant. So we dodged a huge bullet. We, we totally dodged well, a huge bullet. One thing about Sandy, I want to, uh, you know, what, as, a, as the fire chief, you, we want to remind people that when there's an evacuation order to leave the zones, like how many people did not? obey the evacuation most people didn't yeah i mean i didn't and i didn't 
I mean, yeah. and the Santander, you know what? Why the whole Santander? The we were like, yeah, everybody. We were on the, the eighth Santander. floor. We're like, it's not a problem. But then, like four days into, it, I was like, oh, this is a problem. So yeah. here's the thing: it's for us. We don't want to have to come rescue you. Right. That, that's what I realized. Like, if I fall, over, if I fall, if I fall down in here, then someone's got to come get me. Yeah, I, I didn't think so of that, it. That's what it really comes down to. Um, but nobody, you know, pe- people are going to listen or not. It's not like you can arrest your way out of it. You know, that, that's certainly not something that we're going to devote that kind of resources to. Even when there's a, a, a an emergency order from the governor, it is what it is. But at least you pretty much know it's on you. The biggest pet peeve I have with um, with emergencies, it's not even really a pet peeve. It's important is during snow emergencies is for for some reason people just have to get out and get on the streets as soon as you know, the storm's over. They just have to get out there. There's traffic jams all over the place. And remember the storm we had, I guess, when they all blend together now, but it was when uh, it was Chris Christie's first snowstorm as governor. He was out of state. Yeah. yeah. And then he had to overcome every storm after that he had to overcompensate for. Yeah. Well, that's the one where the, the family we had, had like, to take refuge in the lobby yeah, of the Santander. Yeah, we had a family in yeah. the Santander I had a family lobby. in the firehouse. Yeah. We, uh, we had to deliver a baby, and then we couldn't, we couldn't uh, I didn't do it, but my guys did. We had to uh, get this guy in a front-end loader from Public Works to this house. He delivered a baby and then had to sit there with the mother and the child for like three hours until we could clear a path for the ambulance to get in to take him to the hospital. Yeah, there were abandoned cars all over Asbury Yeah, Park. Main Street was yeah. uh, looked like Beirut, you know. How did I uh, know? Because I had to walk two miles to get into a liquor store. 30 inches of snow. Yeah, yeah well, was, priorities. I don't, yeah, I don't care if it's an emergency. <laughs> I'm on a mission. Yeah, yeah. aren't right. we all? Right. No, that was one of the worst storms. So listen, Kevin, thank you for coming. Uh, I'm going to wrap us up because yep. I'm worried that we're, we're going too late. But you, yep. I, I'm like, you were riveting. Oh well. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I, I'm I'm absolutely riveted by some of your stories. Well, I think everyone wants to be a firefighter for a reason. You know, there's a, it's a proud job, right? You get to do interesting things. Like, every day is different, right? Everybody likes superheroes. Well, that was my. Thought. <laughs> I had to say that. I no, no, that. I, but I, that you reminded me. So instead of a, a calendar, can we get like a Asbury Park action figures for each firefighter for a fundraiser? I think it's a when I get the twenty five million dollars, I'll make that happen. John Moore next week, yeah. two weeks, whenever. John and you know who else is coming on for November? Dan Jacobson. Oh, that should be a good That's, one. That should, should be good. Well, you know, so here's the interesting thing about doing this podcast, and, and this will be the last thing. So, so, and I'm not going to say anyone's names, but there are people that I have on that I think are going to knock it out of the ballpark, right? They're just, they're just totally going to kill it. And then people like, well, I will. I'll you like, I wasn't sure how Chrissy Ballard was going to do, um, because it's engineering and like, is that. Is that going to be interesting to people? And, you know, I'm always trying to capture millennials so they understand how government works and how important it is to vote and all of that stuff. And then she's our highest tuned in guest. So so it's interesting. So so John Moore could knock it out of the ballpark or bay, or totally, totally bomb. I'm, I'm not sure which he's going to do. Anyway, I thought you were you were riveting. Can I give one plug to my guys? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Aside from lo- loving Are they what they listen to, the show? No, I don't know. But I just I just want I want people to know this about them because they they don't they don't advertise this a lot. But I want everyone to know that they do fundraising every year for the Asbury Park Firefighters Charitable Trust Fund, and between the fifty fifty and the golf tournament and all these different things they do, they annually raise over ten thousand dollars, and that money all goes back into the community. They sponsor. Little league teams at Christmas time, they they um, they do shopping, they give gifts out to needy families. We unfortunately we have to go to the, the guidance counselors and stuff at the schools because you just can't advertise you're giving stuff away. Right. But they quietly they quietly put all that money back into the community. Uh, you know, and you know, uh, 
Where do we find information about this? So if people are listening that want to support these initiatives, where are they listed? The Asbury Park uh, Firefighters Charitable Trust. You know, their, their website, they don't really keep it up that as well as they probably should. But they can contact the firehouse. Uh, we'll put them in touch with, right now, the, the Firefighters Association president is Fred Bates, which to me is kind of cool because I, I worked with his father years ago. But he's the he's the association president. Um, before him, it was Robert Fonholz. They did a lot of a lot of good work raising money, and um, trying to put the money where where it's going to do the most good. And a huge debt of gratitude to the fire department for keeping us all safe well, well, in Esbury. Well, thank you. Park, you know they, the they they work hard day in and day out. So yeah, no, they're a great group of guys. Yeah, I agree. And even when you, it doesn't matter that you guys show up every time. So I remember when it was a two hundred deal. Uh, when I lived in, remember to, you remember when two hundred deal like drive us a shit show, right? Yeah, uh, Kingsley Arms, right? And uh, would, there was someone would pull the alarm there every day, and you guys showed up at the like super fast every day because I was watching it from Santander. I was like, oh, the fire! Someone pulled the alarm at two hundred deal. There was never a fire, but it never slowed the response, right? So. I mean, I always thought that was great. Like, does it, well, honestly, yeah. the Santander fire alarm went off all the time as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the, 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 um, the senior housing, the, uh, the housing authority. But one, one of the things that we do is we expect fire in every run, even though you know, it gets kind of old and, and monotonous. But the, the, they're trained and they, they do this. They expect fire on every run. So we, we show up geared up and ready to go. Case in point is the one on Mon- that fire we talked about earlier at the Monroe, Monroe Tower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that came in as a fire alarm. It was just came in as a, as a routine, which we go there a lot too. Mm-hmm. It came in as a fire alarm, we pulled up, ready to go. And the guys, and interesting about that, we made a rescue with that fire. So we, we rolled up with, uh, with I can't remember whether our staffing was nine or eight at the time, because it was right about the same time we, we increased our staffing by our minimum staffing by one. But uh, we lost two guys right away because they, they rescued a, a woman and had to take her to the hospital. From the fire. From the fire. Oh, wow. That's one of the interesting things about being a firefighter in Asbury Park. You rescue somebody, you got to take them to the hospital. Uh, you, you can't hand them off. Because well, you're, the, you're the EMS, too. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, have, we have automatic aid arrangements set up yeah. uh, for other people to come in when we, when we commit ourselves to a fire like that. But there's, there's reflex time. It takes yeah. a, a few minutes for help to arrive. Can, you think I can get tea on the show? I, I, I wanted to bring her with me, but she had a funeral today. We'll book her for 2020. I was like the only woman in the Asbury Park fire. I always tease her. I say, you're my friend from 8 to 4, Monday through Friday, or, or on the weekends if you need something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks to the Asbury Park Fire Department. Yes. Always, always doing an amazing, amazing job. And thank you to our four to six listeners. Uh, ten, maybe. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, thanks, Chief. Asbury Pod gratefully acknowledges the support of words. Asbury Park's only independent bookstore, offering new and gently used books for all readers. Words also hosts a range of literary and social events for adults and children. Located on 623 Cookman Avenue, Words is open every day save Tuesday from noon to 5. Stop by and say hello.